Welcome to this week's episode of the Humans of Education podcast. I'm your host, Nick, and I'm honored to have Mr. Jeff Gargas on the show this week. Jeff is the co-founder and COO of Teach Better and one of the leaders of the Teach Better team. I've been a longtime fan and follower of all the work that Teach Better is doing. So it was an honor to get to learn his history in music, his journey into entrepreneurship, and his vision for delivering impact to teachers and students moving forward with Teach Better. I know you guys are gonna love this episode. Be sure to like, subscribe, share the episode if you do enjoy it. And as always, the Humans of Education podcast is brought to you by our Teacher Fit Schools. If you're looking to become a partner school, check out the show notes to learn more. And guys, enjoy this episode. Welcome back to the Humans of Education podcast. I'm your host, Nick, and this week we have another amazing guest in 2021. He is the COO and co-founder of Teach Better. Welcome to the show, Mr. Jeff Gargas. Nick, thanks for having me on, man. I'm pumped to be here. Appreciate yeah, it. I'm excited to explore your kind of unconventional route into the world of education and the impact that you're making through that journey. Now that you are in education, it's, it's cool to connect with people who didn't necessarily, you know, start out as educators and kind of climb that ladder, but got there and are making a positive impact. So I'm excited to, to hear all about it. So you are a, an author, a podcast host, you're the CEO of Teach Better, you know, you're a business coach, it looks like an, a lifetime entrepreneur. Talk to me about who are you outside of your work? So I know work for a lot of us is our life, but outside of your work, can it kind of give us a, hey, this is who I am? Sure, which is really hard. That's a great question. It's kind of hard to do because I love working and I always have. I, you know, I actually struggle with weekends a lot, not because I don't love my wife and kids, but because I just want to do stuff. So, right. uh, but outside of work, I, I'm, a, I'm a husband and a father. I've, I'm a father of two. I've got a first grader and a third grader. Boy and uh, girls, the young one, boy, the, the uh, older one, and, and freshly a new, another new puppy in the house. So, uh, huge animal lover of dogs and cats and, my wife's a vet tech, and so we, we used to foster a lot, and so that's sort of a piece of my heart as well. Um, I'm a musician, although I don't play as much as I used to. Uh, there is a guitarist that made over here now, but um, to try and get me to play it more often. Uh, and uh, you know, love my family, love spending time with them uh, virtually now, if that's the, if that's the case with some of my extended family. But honestly, even outside of work, I'm kind of an entrepreneur all the time anyway. Yep. So uh, you know, my wife learned that early on when she creates anything like she's a baker when as soon as she baked like the first time she designed a cool cupcake i'm like oh we can totally sell this let's do this and so that's sort of where i am all the time so yeah, yeah. i love i love it and i think i am we are very similar in that mindset anything we see or we do or someone around us has a passion for we're like oh you could turn that into a business oh, yeah. you could you could you know open up some freedom into your life and you could do whatever you wanted um so i, I love seeing that talk to me about your background in music. I know this kind of ties into a future question or it may just lead into that question, but you've done a lot of work in music as well. But I want to learn, you know, is, is guitar the only instrument? Are you, you're, are you a rocker? We've had rockers on before. Uh, Hal Bowman, uh, who claims to be a rock star in, in his past, but I'd love to hear your backstory as well. 
Uh, so it actually started with trumpet, actually. Uh, you know, started playing that. Yep, my dad was uh, – dad played trumpet all the way up until he got into high school and then he was a football player. Um, and my mom played – my mom really just played so she could be a majorette, um, but they both played. So there was trumpets in the house, and that's the instrument that I ended up going with when I was, you know, fifth grade or whatever it was when we started in band. I uh, really loved it, loved playing jazz. Um, I didn't like the whole marching thing in, in high school because I loved being in the stands rooting on my buddies that were playing football and stuff. So I ended up not doing that, but still had a love for music. And by the time I was in junior senior high school, I picked up guitar and started learning guitar. Um, and for the same reason, everyone picks up a guitar because I want to be a rock star and get girls and whatever. Absolutely. Uh, but I had a little bit of a twist on that. So I wanted to, my plan was to become a big famous rock star. And then after that, start a record label and help other people become big famous rock stars. Uh, and so I started writing, uh, got in a couple bands, ended up, you know, forming and and stick with the same band for about five years. And as I was in there, I started to realize that, you know, the first part of that goal was, was kind of tough. The whole, you know, being a rock star part, I uh, figured out later that the, the other part was really tough too. But um, as we started going, I started just getting a little more mature as I hit my, my early twenties, realizing that I probably wasn't going to be a rock star. Uh, and so I actually flipped it into Blanche and a record label uh, started by putting on shows and concerts because in my band, I was three, three or four years older than everybody in my band. So like our, a lot of our like crowd was younger and a lot of the scene we rolled around with was younger. So I was the one who was old enough to sign the lease or the contract, or whatever you want to call it on, on random buildings, like Knights of Columbus buildings, Eagle hall, Eagles hall, stuff like that. So that we could put together local shows because bars and clubs didn't want anything to do with us. Cause our crowd wasn't drinking age. Um, so so it kind of started there and the, the label started to build and grow there. And um, I'm not sure what the question was you were going to have, but this might be what leads into that is eventually, um, you know, my band broke up and I found that I actually didn't need, like, I didn't need to be the front man. I was the front man in my band. I didn't need to be that. I didn't need to be the person anybody knew. I love the idea of helping other people get where they were trying to go. Uh, so I had FTF records um, from that spawned FTF concerts, which was a concert division. We put on about, uh, 150 or so shows a year at local clubs include we also did a music conference and all kinds of battle of those bands and stuff like that but in the mix there also started managing bands and a managing band called silence so loud from canton ohio and the drummer was mr chad ostrowski who is now my <laughs> co-founder so i'm not sure if that's where you're going to go with the question later but or if you knew that or not so that was kind of sort of that. um awesome. uh, we, we met in the band and then you know when the label had to get shut down i went off and ended up starting a um an online marketing firm and chad went to school to be a teacher um in the middle of there i was coaching soccer chad's a, a previous uh college soccer player so i'm coming in and work with my team and stuff and that's kind of when we became friends so then when he created the grid method and decided he wanted to share it, he came to me because i was in the world of content marketing and stuff like that so yeah so i guess that's my my long way of my short story through music if that makes sense <laughs> Yeah, I love the kind of my big takeaway from that and something that I think everyone can learn from is that you started with one dream and you kind of played that out, learning other things that you could do within that realm. And then when you decided, hey, this isn't quite what it's going to be, you pivoted, staying in that passion to figure out something else and then figure out something else. And, it, you know, long story longer, it just kept pivoting if necessary, doing different things, seeing success, learning, and then Lo and behold, that led down the road to now being in education. And yeah, now first there was a really big fiery crash and burn. Um, yeah, which that is, one and then a whole bunch of other stuff. But yeah, then eventually here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and oftentimes I think that's that's what it looks like is that 
you know, we learn the most through something that doesn't work. And a lot of people just like, you know, stop or quit. And they're like, Oh, I'm not meant meant for this, but having those experiences and then like, okay, like what did we learn? Let's move forward. So talk to me about in, you know, 45 seconds, the crash and burn, what lessons you took and like how we can relate that to what you're doing now. Uh, yeah, so Crash and Burn was the the record label going under because I convinced myself that that is what I was doing, like that was me, yep. um, and I really connected my that role. The label was called FTF Records, so I kind of in the local scene was was dubbed Jeff TF, <clears throat> and I was like, we were like this level, and I was this guy who could who could just help you try and get to the next level. I wasn't trying to be a big, massive anything. I didn't claim to have connections all over the place and like that. But I can help you position yourself to try and go from local to regional and, and above. And when the label crashed and burned, it just it sent me spiraling downwards um, because I was confused to who I was. Right. Uh, and it took my wife telling me um, just one liner of when I was just in the hallway in tears just because everything had just become so much for me. And I told her, I said, if I'm not Jeff TF, who am I? And she said, well, you're Jeff and I love you. And she walked away. She didn't realize like the weight of what was going on or what she said, but I realized that, Oh, like it doesn't actually matter what I do. I got a wife who loves me. I got a family who loves me. I'm, I'm trying to help people. And, and I realized through the, through the record label and then through the crash and burn and everything, a couple big things. One is that it wasn't about me. I loved helping other people. I just didn't know how that was, that was supposed to look. Right. Uh, and I realized that it, it isn't about, what you're doing or the success you have, it's about the kind of person you are and why you're doing the things you do. Um, and I actually always judge like, so I, I say, and I wrote about this in our book that like, I think I did, I'm not sure if I wrote this in a book or not, but I wrote it in a, in a book that I'm working on as well about my wife, not realizing that what she said was also what, um, uh, I'm losing this. I'm losing it right at coach Irv and cool runnings. So the Disney classic says yeah. to Dries when he tells him, you know, gold medal is an amazing thing, but if you're not enough without it, you'll never be enough with it. And that day sort of sparked me finally realizing like this whole idea of like, if you're not enough without success, you're never going to be enough with it. And right. so I had to, I think the biggest lesson learned was that I had to be, I had to learn to love me, not to sound too cheesy or cliche, but like I had to learn to be okay with who I was before I could work on what I was going to do. And I think that was the biggest lesson I took out of that. Yeah. That's such a powerful lesson. And I think it ties into what, what I'm sure you and I have both heard about entrepreneurship but with that success or with money, it doesn't change who you are. It just highlights it. So mm -hmm. if, you're, if you're not happy with yourself at a certain point, or if you're not a great person and you're, you're giving back and those types of things, if you don't do it at the low level and where you start or who you are, you're never going to do it once you have money, yeah. you have, you know, so true. success and fame and those types of things. That's such a powerful lesson. I love that takeaway. So through that journey, you learn these lessons, Obviously, you're connected to Chad, and he's teaching. He he develops the grid method. What kind of pulled you in besides that friendship, if anything? And why are you passionate about education now? So, it's well, a, that's a good question, a hard question, actually, because I'm not sure what it was pulled in at that point. I kind of like I essentially sworn off this idea, like that I was ever going to start anything again. I you know I had one one kid already, and you know mortgage and all your you know, your grown up stuff, and I was just right. kind of like, and I you know I had suffered quite a few setbacks, and I was like, you know what, I don't think I'm, I don't, you know I, I don't I'm not going to start things again. I'm not going to do that again anymore. And then I remember riding around my neighborhood um, late night, raining, listening to Chad tell me all about it, like why he wanted to put up an ebook and what it had done. And he wasn't even thinking business at all. He was just wanting to share it with people because people were asking right. about it. And I kind of get this feeling. I'm like, ah, oh, crap. This is it. Like, we're going to start something. 
And like, so we agreed, we met up uh, a couple of days later um, at a BW3, Z Wings, and I'm just like, listen to him. And for me, for, for that, it was the thing that got me was when he was telling me about it, it wasn't just the impact that the grid method was having on his kids. It was what it had on him as both a teacher and a husband, father. And that to me was the big thing where I'm like, this is, this isn't just some little thing that's going to just help kids. That would probably be enough, but it's more so it's going to help teachers, which means they can help more kids and they can do it better. And I think that was the thing that got me about that. Uh, but being an education thing was kind of a, it's kind of an interesting full circle. Cause when I first enrolled in college, it was to be a teacher. Um, I wanted to be a teacher for a long time and I wasn't, I don't know what it was. I, I, you could say uh, I wasn't mature enough because that would be absolutely accurate. Um, I wasn't tough enough to make it through the school and that'd be accurate. It just wasn't the right path for me. That'd be accurate as well. And I only made it a semester before I realized that maybe I didn't want to teach. Um, but it was kind of this weird thing that I like teaching. I love coaching. I love working with people. And so it was this weird full circle type thing that came around. And the fact that I'm a three-time college dropout just kind of made it more fun, I guess, that I got back, <laughs> that I got an education then. Because I looked at how if you look at like, if you look at my, my upbringing where I was raised, like I was a kid, like I should have easily went through education just fine. Got my four year degree and been fine. I was set up really nice. I was came from right. a good home, you know, stable family, good, good school system, good community, everything like that. I had the opportunities and it still didn't work quite right for me. And I think there's reasons the system was failing me that no one could see because I was going to be okay anyway. Right. And so I think there was this weird like twist of passion for me around that. And then part of it was Chad and I just had to develop the relationship where there was this weird trust right off the bat. And, and uh, yeah, so it's kind of a, a, a combination of all that, I think, that really got me excited about it. And then when it was one of his mentors that had like 20 plus years experience on, on Chad, that he came to Chad and said like, hey, this thing's working. Like, right. And I've been teaching for a long time and I've always been a good teacher, but like this just changed everything. And I'm like, that's not a fluke, man. Like something's going on. Yeah. And, you know, the rest is history, as I say. I guess. <laughs> yeah, I want to pull on two things. Uh, the first one is on a little bit deeper in the education world and something that I'm sure you thought about and I think about a lot is how is the education system as we see it today set up to support students, I think like yourself or myself and uh, lots and lots of others who aren't really built for school but they have these big ideas, the entrepreneur mindset, they wanna create, they wanna do these things. How is the system currently set up and how could it be better to support those students? Uh, it's currently not set up well, but I think it's better than when you and I were in school. Right. I think entrepreneurship is kind of a hot topic as it has been in the world for the last five, 10 years. But um, I think some schools are focused on the wrong aspects of it. Um, and thinking that we need to teach everyone, every kid to be an entrepreneur. Right. And I think what we really need to do is teach them the skills, which we're trying to do anyway more, but we just need to let kids know that it's, it's an option that they can take and it's okay right. to take. I went to college because that was what I was supposed to do. Cause I was fortunate to have a family that could help me go to college. And I was fortunate enough to have a stable life and, a, and the grades that I could get in the college. And so I was supposed to go to college. That's what I was, I, you either, I either, you either went to the military went to college or for where I'm from in Youngstown, Ohio, or if you, if you were lucky, you got into GM, like those were your options when that was it. And so I went to college. Right. My dad worked really hard to put himself through college to give us the opportunity. Like that was what I was supposed to do. And, and looking back, I'm like, no, I shouldn't have at all. Like it was, it was just, wasn't where I was supposed to go. Um, had I went and worked for a few years, maybe I would have got through college differently because I would have matured more, but I think I would have done the same thing, which is just create 
more things. Right. Um, so I don't think it's set up well. However, I do think it's changing in a positive way for that. I think it's, I think entrepreneurship right now is being taught to kids to be a, a, a viable and a, an okay um, solution opportunity, a path they can take. However, I do worry that in the next five, 10 years, that's going to change. Uh, Cause right now for the last five to 10 years or so, it's been exciting. It's been fun. It's been cool to be an entrepreneur. Uh, and if you listen to Gary V, he talks about this, Gary Vanishok. And this is, this is one of the first things he said that really made me connect to him in a different way is that he remembers being an entrepreneur when it wasn't cool. Yep. And I do too. And I'm kind of aging myself there, but I remember working the drive through at Arby's when my friends would go by and their brand new cars, cause they had their brand new jobs. Cause they did exactly what they were supposed to do. And I was working Arby's as like a side hustle because I needed some income to support my craziness and the thing I was trying to do. And it wasn't cool. Right. Friends and family constantly, literally almost on a daily basis told me I was stupid. I was silly. I was being immature. I needed to grow up. This was a dumb idea. It's time to go back and get your degree. Why don't you just focus and get your degree? Like constant. It was all out of love, but it was constant. It was never. Oh, that's really cool that you started something. Oh, that's right. nature. But, oh, you're an entrepreneur. Like it was never cool. Yep. And so now it is. Like it's really cool to put entrepreneur in your Instagram profile. Like that's a huge thing, right? And I think I, at some point in the next five, ten years, it's going to change because a lot of people are going to hurt because they're they shouldn't be entrepreneurs and they're struggling. Right. And and we're telling kids go start a business. We're like, no, you shouldn't start a business, kid. You should actually be the number five because you're going to be really good at that. Yep. And kids aren't really there. So I think self awareness is a huge piece we need to teach because I think that's the most probably the most important piece of entrepreneurship is self awareness. And I, I'm worried that we're going to push too many to push too many kids to entrepreneurship instead of just letting them know that it's an opportunity. And I think from that, you're going to have a lot of people that are going to struggle and fail. And it's going to get go back to being demonized. And it's going to go back to being, hey, entrepreneurship is not good because you're going to fail. And the, the truth is, yeah, you probably are. But the kids that are going to go there no matter what, like they're going to go there no matter what. Like right. you're not going to stop them, right? So I, I, it's just weird. I don't know where that balance exactly is, but it's a matter of showing them that it's a path, but that it's not right for everyone, just as colleges, just as the military is, just as trade school is, just as anything is right yep. and i think that that helping them find self-awareness is actually the key to that yeah i, I love if i actually answered your question or not there nick but <laughs> yeah i think you, you definitely did and i think the two biggest things are the exposure like hey you can you can see this and you can go experience this maybe it's internships or something we build into a high school curriculum oh you want to sure. be an entrepreneur like hey go work for this one and like actually see the you know, 15, 18 hour days, the, the stress. Yeah, instead of, all those I don't mean to interrupt, but instead of right now, we're like, hey, go learn how to do a pitch on Shark Tank and right. go raise money. I'm like, yeah, but like one out of a billion gets the money. And that's right. who we talk about. You don't talk about all the people who don't. And that's the actual life of entrepreneurship. And, and Shark Tank doesn't talk about the ones that get the money and then fail. Well, like, yeah, because it's super easy to get money and spend it when it's not right. yours, 100%. which means you don't, like, so, um, and, and, and this, you know, a lot of people talk about this, but like we celebrate this idea of a company who raises, you know, billion dollars on something they literally have never sold, yep. and we're, we celebrate them, but we don't celebrate the 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 kid or the or the forty year old who just started a business and in their first year only did a hundred grand in, in uh, revenue, but made profit and, and hired three people and grew. Right. And is actually say, uh, like stable and, and self-sufficient and didn't borrow any money from anybody. 
right. I'm like, that's the guy you should celebrate, but we don't because a billion is cooler yeah. than, yeah. you know, a yeah, hundred thousand. It's not and sexy I think to see that. <laughs> it isn't right. And it's like, but that we're, we're celebrating the wrong thing. And that's, what's going to set people up. Cause eventually like we're going to hit a span where there's not nearly as much money anymore. And, you know, it all it ebbs and flows just like right. anything else, but yeah, sorry. That's just, no, no, no. Yeah. Got I, me on that. No, I love that. And I, that, I mean, we're exactly on the same page because you know, I follow all the big businesses and the shows and the newsletters. And it's like, oh, this company just raised another $320 million at a ridiculous evaluation and they've never made a single dollar. And you're just like, uh, like, how is this ever going to work? Yeah. And some of those are going to work and they're yeah. going to be great, but you don't hear about the 25 others that also raised a couple million dollars and then lost it all. Yep. That's what venture fund, you know, venture capitalists, they do that. They invest in 35, 50, 60 different things. But so the one. Yeah, just trying to get the one. Yeah. All right. So we'll move off our entrepreneur soapbox that <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everyone's that. listening to. Um, we'll talk about that offline. But to finish out the kind of your progression as a human, sure. talk to me about the founding of Teach Better, which you kind of already started to get into. And then what's your vision? So what's your five and 10 year vision for the work you're doing? Because you're growing from what I see as an out outside perspective at like an exponential rate. You know, you've got, I think like 23 employees, you've got a podcast network, you've got guest bloggers, you've got all these people that are now tied into the network and the community. Like, what does that look like going forward? Yeah. So, I mean, it started pretty pretty small obviously just chat night was the grid method we changed over to teach better about about three years ago now um and, and the founder was really it was all about like you know when chad and i started it, we, we went 100 all into content marketing help versus sell uh and the way i phrase it chad is that hey i said hey i want to build this thing so that someone could come to our site take the free course download you know read some blogs download some stuff ask some questions and effectively run the grid method in his or her classroom without ever paying us a cent Right. And Chad's response was, sounds good, but you did say we were going to make money. And I said, yeah, we're going to make money like way down the road. I'm like, because if we do that right and we do it enough times the right way, I'm like, people are going to figure out either one, that they can do it without us, but it'll be more fun or more efficient with us or easier with us. Or they're going to figure out that they can do it without us, but it's just going to be better with us. Or I so said, what we really want is they're going to figure out that they can do it without us, but they don't want to because they really want to pay us. Right. Said, is that, and that's where we want to build. And so that's, you know, we we're, we're building to that, you know, 2020 back in April was looking to possibly be the last of us. Like it was the end. I told Chad to get his resume together, think about who he needed to reach out to get a job. Cause we were going to have to like go back to square one and start rebuilding again. And we actually were able, and we had an opportunity there to either go try and squeeze every cent out of everything we had laying out there or to, triple down on help versus sell. And we tripled down. We turned off all of our sales mechanisms. We started going live every day um, for three months. Uh, and we sort of pivot to virtual. And we ended up having 2020 be the best year we've ever had across the board. Uh, best revenue, best profit. And our team grew almost three times, 3x. And we're sitting at, you know, month three, to start of month three of 2021. And we've already beat 2020 this year. Awesome. Uh, and we're going to destroy it. It's going to look like a joke by the time we're done with this. And I say that with confidence and, and it's exciting and everything like that. But for me, it was proof of concept that we're building our brand the right way. And so when you talk about like the future for me, it's all about the brand that we're trying to build. We're trying to help educators get inspired uh, and feel, uh, feel supported and feel ready to go out and, and teach better, whatever that looks like for each individual educator. And for me, I don't care 
necessarily where we're at in that context, whether that is continuing where right now, one of our biggest things that we do is we provide professional development. So we're, you know, we're in schools, whether virtually or in person, training, working with educators, training them on new concepts or helping them to solidify a new concept or helping a, a district or a building to implement a new, a new initiative, whatever it might be. But we also have a lot of other little things that we do as well. And for me, I don't care if that's what we're doing in five years or if we're selling, I, I've been joking about this lately, or if we're selling shoes, you know, I keep joking. I'm like kicks for educators who want to teach better. I don't know. Like for me, I don't care. I don't know how that would help them teach better, but for me, I don't care what it is we're doing as long as what we're doing is helping teachers impact more kids. Right. And that's going to change over time because the way we deliver PD is going to change. The way we interact with kids is going to change. All this is going to change. For me, it's about building a brand that people know and say, Hey, when I see that brand, when I hear that brand, I think support, I think inspiration, I think family, and I'm going to connect to it. And I'm going to utilize what the resources are to help impact my kids. And so for me, that's what it's all about. Um, I think we're going to, I think we're, you know, when I think fun, fun, and I have that fun game of thinking, you know, and I know you do this too, right? We start dreaming a little bit, which is good to do. I do think, you know, that we're probably going to get into a lot of different aspects of education. I'd love to, I joke that I want to be in every aspect of education, but not sure we ever want to get a new curriculum at all. Um, and, and I'd love to be an ed tech, but I'm not sure we want to actually like build anything. So, so I think there's a lot of that, you know, we're kind of playing, we we've done really well of listening to both our business, but also to our audience of like, what do you need? And then looking at our business and say, okay, what do they need and what can we, or can we not do and just following that. So I do look five to 10 years out, but more with a dream lens than a plan lens. We right. really look at the, the 12 to 24 um, when we're looking out and then even further into the one to, to three, because as we know, 2020 taught us that a month or three months can seem like four years anyway. So, so yeah, so things have definitely changed a lot uh, since we founded. Um, and I expect they're going to change a lot in the next 12 months and then even more. So uh, we've got some things that we are working on that are super exciting that we're not telling anybody about yet. So that's going to be fun over the next 12 months, but um, it's going to be a fun ride. So, yeah, I, I obviously I love the company and the passion behind that foundational principle of we want to help teachers be better and teach better. And I think your willingness to say, I don't care how we do that. You know, right now it's PD tomorrow. It could be shoes. The next day it could be, you know, what worldwide conferences, who knows? And the flexibility and, you know, just the work behind that is I think great. And if, as long as you're still tied to that foundational principle is something that people can take away. So teachers, it doesn't matter how you teach or how you reach your students, as long as you're still passionate about achieving the goal that you set. And that's such a, such a powerful thing. So I appreciate you sharing that. I want to get into some of your previous social media posts and get your thoughts behind them. I went, I went deep into the, uh, into, oh, the into Instagram and I'm going to read <laughs> one. I'm going to read one. It's kind of long and I want to get your thoughts on what drove you to post this. Cause I think it's such a great message and something that really hit me. So it says, stop, seriously, stop right now. If you're already excited and getting ready to celebrate the fact that tomorrow is Friday, stop today is Thursday. More importantly, today is now today, regardless of what day it is or what day tomorrow is, is the day you have the opportunity to make an impact. And it goes on to talk about all the things that you, why today is important. Share with us what kind of triggered that message and the deeper thoughts with it. So it was most likely triggered by a Sunday evening scrolling of Facebook. Um, I know this was a Thursday that I wrote it, but like on, so 
Sunday evenings for a long time have been like one of my least favorite things in the world because all I do on seemed like all I did on Facebook for the longest time was watch all my friends and family complain about the fact that tomorrow was Monday. And I was just like this, like, what are you doing? I, I freaking love Mondays. And I say that like I, I legit mean that. I don't like that's not like some cheesy thing I put on a post on a wall. Like I legit love Mondays. I struggle with the weekends. Again, not because I don't love not because I don't enjoy the weekends. I do. You know, I love getting into some projects. I love hanging out with my kids more and going for walks and all that stuff like that. But I constantly I love what I do. And I love what we're doing and, and why we do it and the impact we make. And I can't wait to get back to it. And on Mondays when I get to do that, um, I have been railing against that for a while. A lot of people talk about that, like stop hating Mondays. Da, da, da. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. We also hate Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays as well. It seems like all we love is Friday. And the only reason we love Friday is because we're almost done with work. Not even right. the fact that we, we don't actually love Friday. We love Friday at, you know, four, five, six o'clock. <laughs> right. And I'm like, on Thursday, I'm guessing someone said something that really triggered that. But for me, it, it's like, you know, you have Wednesday, which is hump day. And they're like, oh, we celebrate Wednesday because you're halfway done. And I'm like, geez, like what? Like it's literally every, like the only day we don't complain, I think, is Tuesday. Monday's horrible because it's Monday. Wednesday, we're just celebrating that we're almost done with our horrible week. At week. Thursday, we're like, oh, my God, I can't believe tomorrow's Friday. Thank you so much. So bad that I'm going to drink because it's Thursday, Thursday. I don't know. And then right. Friday, we're just like we don't even like put our effort into work half the time. Cause we're like, oh, like today's the day we get to wear jeans at work. So I don't care about anything. I'm like, well, wait a minute. Like your kids still need to learn right. your, the accountant still needs to get done. The mail still needs, whatever it is that you do, like you do that five days a week. And if you look at the typical math of a typical American, how, how long they live, I mean, how often they work and everything like that, like you're going to work for the majority of you spend more time at work than anything else in your life. If you hate it, like you're really doing this whole life thing wrong. Absolutely. And people always say, oh, easier said than done. Yeah. So that's happiness. That's success. That's life. It is easier said than done. But I'm like, isn't it worth like putting a little more effort into that than to just deal with that? I guess I'm just going to be miserable for the next 35 years until I retire. And then I'm too like old and frail to enjoy life at that point anyway. And I'm like, enjoy what you're doing because you're not always, you're not going to have the money right now necessarily to go travel and do all the amazing things that you want to do when you retire, but you can still enjoy the, the, like the journey to get there. Like to me, just, I don't know. Uh, to me, it, just, it drives me crazy. I'm like, look, if you want, if you love what you do, great. Or if you just, if you don't care because you're happy enough in life and you just do your five days a week, your 40 hours so that you can live in a, live a happy life on weekends, then good for you. I love it. Yep. Just don't complain. Right. Cause it drives me crazy. I'm like, cause if you're complaining, you can go change something. Like you can do something different. It's like, Oh, I can't, I got it. I'm like, yeah, you could, you could go live in a smaller apartment in your car. You could build a, an RV and travel. So you don't have the, the same expenses, right? Like you can do something. You're just choosing not to. So stop complaining about it and fix it. You know? And that's, I don't know. That's, that's very black and white in, in that. And I understand there's a lot of different circumstances right. and stuff too, but most people that's not the case. And so I'm guessing that was just someone said something on a Thursday that triggered that. And, and that's what I figured. And, you know, I knew the response would be something similar to that, but I wanted to ask. <laughs> um, I think we've talked about this before. Yeah, you probably. And I, privately. So. But yeah, I think taking ownership of your yes. choices and your life and then, you know, stop blaming other things or other people and 
that self-awareness that we come back to. But mm -hmm. it ties in perfectly to the next post because this one was stop celebrating. And I think it's the exact previous <laughs> post was to celebrate. And the backstory, you had just finished a virtual run after an injury and you had come back. And the, the backstory or the kind of the takeaway for me was celebrate even the small victories. It may not be exactly what you set out to do, but you still need to celebrate. And kind of talk me through that thought for you. I'm trying to think of that post. Um, I'm yeah. guessing I ran something that was like. You were biting a medal in the photo. Oh, okay. I, I'm guessing it was a five. I bet I did a 5K virtual yep. after being injured. Um, and I got injured in my training for my first half marathon, um, which obviously is more than a 5K. Uh, and I'm trying to figure out where that fell in. But I'm guessing it might have been all the way through because I actually got injured, uh, went down for about six and a half weeks, came back ran a 5k and got injured again um a little bit later went down for another like five six or seven or eight weeks and still fooled myself into thinking that i was somehow going to be ready for this for for my half marathon which i clearly was not ready for it ended up right. not not hidden um and it was it was this rough moment of then having to get back into like even if it's 5k and you're thinking oh my god like i was i was already running 10 miles a day I was ready to do a half marathon and now 5k whoop to do at that point. And I'm, and it was this moment of like, well, wait a minute. Most people will never even run a 5k in their life. Like that's the biggest accomplishment. And not to mention that you got injured, like your momentum got destroyed, your men men mental strength got destroyed and you still got back up and did it. And it was a moment of giving myself permission via a post. A lot of times when I'm posting something, I'm sharing something because I, like I'm trying to tell myself that right. again, I do this, the chat all the time. Well, I'll like, I'll rip in the chat about something. I'll have to stop. Like, hey, just so you know, like I'm yelling at myself now. You're just the one I'm yelling at. You're He's like, all right, cool. Go ahead, man. I'm like, <laughs> And so it's the same thing kind of when I, when I post or if I have a conversation like that, a lot of times just telling myself via, via that. And I've had to, I'm, that's actually a post I need to go back and look at because I'm still dealing with that now as I've suffered more and more, like my knees, I suffered a bad knee injury after my, I did finally hit my marathon a year, a little over a year after when I was supposed to hit it. Um, and, but then I ended up injuring myself not too long after that, been coming back from that. So like, I just did a 5k not too long ago that I had to do that again. Where I'm like, I'm like, Oh yeah, 3.1 miles. So good, good job, buddy. I'm like, you did 27 miles a year ago. Like, what is wrong with you? And I'm like, well, wait a minute. No, 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 no. Like, this is good. Celebrate. And it is, it's celebrate the little things, right? So you might've had a rough lesson plan or your day might've bombed, but that one kid who hadn't progressed in three weeks progresses a little bit today and shows some growth like celebrate that like just any little thing man right and what are you celebrating this week so it's monday for everyone's reference we love mondays what are you going to celebrate this week this week I, you know that's a good question i, w I wish i would have thought about that i'm celebrating some some little victories here at home with my daughter who's been suffering from anxiety and we've been working it's been a long road and she's getting getting better so i'm celebrating that um We've got a lot of cool stuff going on with the team, just little stuff. But I also, I had gotten, um, I'd gotten myself really, really organized um, just with my, uh, with my planning, with my boundaries. And then I, for the last maybe three weeks, I've kind of let those slide. And last night and this morning, I really spent some time on that. And mm -hmm. that's a little thing that I think is a, is a big celebration for me because I'm feeling, I feel so much better about not just my day, but my week right now based on that. And I think that's something that, Every now and then you got to reset to get back onto. So, uh, absolutely, I think that's my celebration right now. Awesome, I appreciate you. And being on this podcast, of course. I mean, uh, of course. Come on. <laughs> come on. 
So two final questions that I ask uh, most of our guests just to kind of see your thoughts and get some, to get some things going. The first one, you're going to give a TED Talk this weekend. What is the subject? Oh, if I was going to TED Talk this weekend, uh, I would talk about why you as a teacher are essential. Essential teachers. Love it. I mean, that spans from uh, – we did a, 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 a event for our private Facebook group that we that was like a popcorn social. It was just a social event. And I did a – and Ray and the team asked me to like closing remarks. And I went a little more serious than the event was. And I talked about how teachers have always been essential, not just during the pandemic. And it kind of spawned into a lot of people requesting a shirt and posts and all this stuff. And to me, I'm like, this is a message that I want. I would love to share more yep. from the perspective of someone who's not a teacher. Right, because this is me on the outside. Because I feel like it's people like that are on the outside who don't know what it's like to be a teacher. Right. That's who we need to go show, and we need to change the mindset for. And I'm kind of a, I found myself being a kind of a warrior when someone talks bad about teachers. I kind of go to battle uh, at this point now. So that's yep. I think that's where I would go. Yeah, I think that's a powerful perspective. Something that you know I continue to gain. You know, both a couple of years ago working in the school district and the schools through the after school program and realizing like, wow, like teachers are here a long time going the extra mile, yeah. not getting paid anything for the amount of work <laughs> they're doing. And then yeah. now continuing five years later to continue to work with teachers and talk to them every day and work with them. It's just, it's crazy that no one, no one really understands until this year when they yeah. had to become the teacher. <laughs> well, but how quickly have we, we flipped that back and, and yep. forgotten. And for me, I've always had respect for teachers always did, but like the level of which I've got over the last seven, 100%. six, seven years of working with them is off the chart. And, yep. and to watch how quickly the world forgot about March, April, May of last year. And we went back to, to, in my opinion, forgetting that and not respecting yeah, sure. it like they should. Yep. We still got a lot of work to do, I think. Yeah, for sure. Last question. When your work is done in education, how will the world of education look different? When your work oh, wow. is complete? I'm not sure our work will ever be complete, um, to be honest, because I yep. think the, 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 the whole teach better thing has never been about teaching perfect or this is the way to teach. It's we got to be better every single day. Uh, and so for that reason, I don't think it'll ever be done. However, I hope that when we get to where we can say maybe that our work's done, um, and where our work is accomplished, but we're still working hard. I don't know how you went. I don't know if we'll ever get there. If we were to happen to get there, it would be that <laughs> every kid was 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 given their their own personalized path to their education and to their journey of from going from a student to a member of society. And whatever that path was, was respected, was encouraged, was supported. Um, and with that, I think first comes that teachers need the same, uh, that not every teacher teaches the same, not every teacher, uh, you know, uh, you know, plans the same or connects the same and that right. we have to make sure that every teacher knows that they are supported, uh, that they can be themselves that they can inspire kids the way that only they can. And I think only by doing that and getting teachers there so that they know that they are supported and that they are encouraged to take those risks and, and be themselves and be different and think outside the box so that they can then inspire kids to go do what they want to do. I think that will be at least the first look that our work is going well, at least. Absolutely. And I think you are on the way. And I agree, you know, I don't think anyone's work will ever be done in this realm, but you're definitely on the way. You're doing the right things. Uh, it was an honor to have you on the show. Where can everyone follow yourself and the Teach Better team? 
Yeah. Uh, so everything, well, first off, thank you for having me on the show. I love the work you do. Uh, you know this. Um, we love being connected to you in the way that we are, although I do think we need to be more connected, but that's a, another conversation. Um, everything's at teachbetter.com um, and on, on all social media, we're at teachbetterteam. I am uh, most most commonly found on Twitter at Jeff Gargas. On Instagram, I'm at underscore Jeff Gargas. Uh, and if you're in a clubhouse, I'm in there quite a bit too, which is just Jeff Gargas as well. Um, and yeah, that's where we're at. I appreciate it. Again, it's an honor and definitely going to look into continuing our connection and getting, getting to be a part of the team in a bigger way. So I appreciate you coming on the show, guys. If you like the episode, wherever you see it, listen to it. Give us a five-star review. Let us know. Comment, tag Jeff and the Teach Better team on all the social media platforms. Check out the show notes and we'll see you next week.